Welcome back to the Vine Church Podcast. Today we are continuing our study, Why Did Jonah Run? Unpacking the Book of Jonah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Well, good afternoon, everybody, or if you're uh, not watching it live, then I suppose it's not good afternoon, but good whatever it is, evening, morning, uh, afternoon. So uh, I'm really excited to start this uh, series or or, um, Bible study through Jonah. Um, I'm hoping it, well, I'm not not hoping it will be. It's going to be in six parts. And we're going to do, I'm going to do it on Wednesdays and Fridays at three, just so you can, if you do want to watch long live, that's when it'll be on. Uh, So it'll be over three weeks. Uh, I want to really kind of get into the story of Jonah. Um, Just so you're aware, in the description on this video, I've put a link to a, it's kind of like a handout notes thing that I've made, um, just to kind of help uh remember memorize or kind of give stuff that we're going to look at um today uh if you can't if you're struggling to find how to download it that's fine if you email me or message me on facebook somehow then um i can send you a copy directly and you don't have to go through any websites to download it so that's uh as i say i've made it for your use and you can do whatever you want with it um but it is in the description on this video so um yeah, I hope that is helpful. Um, now, right at the beginning, I want to say there are lots of amazing uh, things in Jonah. There's lots of very clever uh, literary devices. There's lots of things that we could explore and get in. But we're not going to have time to do all those things, um, unfortunately, because I think that they're brilliant, frankly. But... Um, I do want to focus on the main issue, which is why I've called this study, uh, why did Jonah run? Because really, if you understand that answer, the whole book is unlocked. Uh, So you can really understand the book if you've got that question answered, why did Jonah run? So we are going to focus on that question. Now, a few things to note. Well, well, one main thing to note before, you know, uh, it's very common for a lot symbolic story i want to affirm that i believe it's absolutely historical it did happen as the bible said it happens he really did get swallowed by a big fish and three days later was spat out there's debate over whether or not he died in the fish or whether or not he stayed alive in the fish all those kind of things i personally think that he died doesn't really matter though the the main thing is i believe this is a real story that did happen so i just want to get that out there cool so if we uh, get into it a bit more. Now, I want to show some of my cards right at the get-go, but I don't want to show them all yet. So some of my cards, what I mean by that is I don't agree, I don't buy the modern mainline interpretation of Jonah, which kind of goes something like this. Jonah didn't want to go to people that he didn't like, so he ran away. And then he was grumpy and whingy when they were saved. So don't be like Jonah, rejoicing when your enemies are saved. I I don't think that's what the book of Jonah is saying. I think that's unfair on Jonah. And I think it casts a really bad light on him. So 
I, I, as I say, I don't think that's what it means. And I kind of want to rescue Jonah from some of that bad press, I guess. I think Jonah is a book written at a very specific time for a very specific reason in a very specific place in covenant history, in, in our history of the Bible. And I think it has a big impact on the New Testament authors. So, so Jonah is never directly quoted in the New Testament, but I would say his story is all over it. Now, I say I'm going to show you some of my cards because I'm not going to tell you what I think Jonah is about yet. I want to wait until, well, it will start to become obvious, maybe by part two. But um, yes, I think that there's often an unfair interpretation of Jonah. I don't think he's the bad guy. So we're going to unpack that a bit more and ask the question, why did Jonah run? So in order to really understand Jonah, as funny as it sounds, you have to spend most of your time not in Jonah. Once you've got the background of it, the context kind of speaks for itself. Uh, the context about Jonah will tell you what the story is about, really. So um, if, if, as we're going along, you're thinking, I don't see how this fits in with the story of Jonah, trust me, not before not too long, it will all make sense. So this, this week, or, well, not this week, today, this session, part session sounds a bit formal, uh, in, in part one, we're not actually going to be in the book of Jonah at all. We're going to look at the background to Jonah. What I want us to do is I want us to get into Jonah's head so we can see the world as he saw it. Um, we need to understand why Jonah thinks the way he does, what he's surrounded by, what world does he live in. So we're going to do that. Now, a few things. I've, I've written this down in the handout or the notes thingy that you can get. But if you're not using that, then do note it down somewhere. So one thing to note is um, if I talk about the either the Septuagint or the LXX is another name for it, Septuagint, LXX. This is um, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So when the New Testament authors quote the Old Testament, they are most of the time quoting from the Septuagint, from the LXX. Um, it's just, it was the translation used. It was quite major in um, Judaism and early Christianity. So I'm going to be referencing that. Um, another thing to note down, uh, Jonah was, when, when Jonah was written, and we're going to look at that a little bit in a minute, but the other thing to note is, where he was a prophet. This is really important. Jonah was a prophet in the Northern Kingdom. So we're going to unpack this a little bit in a minute, but he was in the North in Israel. Um, okay, so when, well, we're going to um, look in our Bibles to find this out. Now, it says in, we're going to go to 2 Kings. So if you have your Bible, open up to 2 Kings chapter 14. And this is where we're going to spend quite a lot, of, quite a lot of time. So Jonah, uh, no, let's let's read the text first. Actually, then, then the questions will kind of be answered. So two Kings fourteen, 
verse uh, 23 says this. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Hepher. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel was very bitter. There was none left, bound or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. So we learn from that that Jonah is a prophet at the same time as King Jeroboam II, which means that the earliest that Jonah could have become a prophet is 792 or 3 BC. Okay, so that, that's really important. He's The earliest he's around is 792. The latest is around 770 BC. But this is really important. Um, so, and I personally think, and, and why I think this is will, will come up, um, that Jonah, the, the book was written, or at least the events in the book, happened in 762 BC. Um, so let's just take a pause from that quickly. And if you're already familiar with all this, and that's great, but just in case people aren't, the kingdom of uh, God's people was split into the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. So the tribe of Judah was in the southern kingdom and the rest of the tribes were in the northern kingdom, Israel. Um, and the king in Israel at this time, as I, as I just said from there, is Jeroboam II, and he was a wicked king. Um, there's a just an interesting point. There was a man in the first century called Josephus, and Josephus was a Jew who became a Roman. And he's a very interesting person to look at historically because he gives a very rare perspective into a Jew's perspective on what was going on in the, in the first century. But he wrote a book called Antiquities of the Jews, which is basically just a history of the Jews for people who weren't familiar with Judaism because it was just a small people group um, amongst many in the Roman Empire. So he wrote this book, Antiquities of the Jews. And he gives us a lot of insight into what Jews knew of their own history at the time. And he says this about King Jeroboam II. He says, this king was guilty of insolence against God, and he became very wicked in the worshipping of idols and in many undertakings that were absurd and foreign. He was also the cause of 10,000 misfortunes to the people of Israel. So the Jews knew, if you talk about Jeroboam II, they knew you were talking about this wicked king, a really bad guy. And the, the scriptures do suggest that he was wicked, but they don't give that much detail on it. They just said that he did um, evil in the sight of the Lord and that whilst he was king, no one in Israel was, um, well, it said that um, the affliction in Israel was very bitter for there was none left, bond or, bound or free, there was none to help Israel. 
So you get the impression that he was not a good king. And that's really important. Uh, and, and just a small note, really, this is very interesting. Um, well, you might be familiar that in the Old Testament, people often named people uh, after or something to do with God. So Dan, Daniel means God is my judge, Daniel. Um, Yahushua, Joshua means the uh, Lord is my From Jeroboam II onwards, because there's there's five kings after him, the names of foreign gods in people's names uh, become more common. Uh, sorry, it's saying that my connection is unstable, so I don't know if you can hear me or not. Uh, okay, it says I'm back. So the names of foreign gods become more common every king after Jeroboam II. So it kind of has this picture of the idolatry is getting worse from this guy. And we have to bear in mind, this is the king at the time of Jonah. Um, so that's that's a really uh, important point to note. And the other thing to note is because Jonah is writing around, or in between 790 and 760, He's at the same time as Hosea and Amos. They're both prophets in the northern kingdom in Israel. So Jonah, Hosea and Amos are all around at the same time. But it also means that when Jonah is a prophet, the only other prophet that has been written down yet is Joel. Now, that's a really important point for later on. So just um, note that down somewhere if you can. The only other prophet that's been written down by this point is Joel. Elijah and Elisha have already come and they would have been well known. So people would know the stories of Elijah and Elisha, but they weren't written down yet. Um, so you have, just to recap, Hosea and Amos and Jonah are all at the same time. The only prophet they had written down is Joel, but they would all know Elijah and Elisha. This is all really important background stuff for as we get into the book. Um, so we've got that they were in the Northern Kingdom. We've got that the Northern Kingdom has a wicked king at the time, Jeroboam II. We've read in two kings how Jonah is the prophet during the time of Jeroboam II. Um, and we've got that Joel is the only one written down so far. Uh, let's take a look at the situation in Israel. So, so far, all we know is we have the wicked king. That's, that's obviously important, but that's not it. What we find is that, um, actually, no, sorry. Um, just trying to work out the best way to go. And I actually think it's worth pointing out at the time of Jeroboam, at the time of Jeroboam II, there are only five kings left until the Northern Kingdom is destroyed. So in 722 BC, the Northern Kingdom is destroyed by the Assyrians. Um, so when Jeroboam II is ruling, there's only five kings after him. So one of them rules for six months, one of them for one month, one of them for 20 years. But there's only five until 722 BC when they're destroyed. So there's a uh, so I, I think there's a 40-year gap from Jonah writing in 762 to 722 
when Israel is destroyed. That's really important. At the time of Jonah, the big problem in Israel is idolatry and sin. We find this in the other books that are written at the same time. So, I mean, we've seen that in Two Kings, how it's a time of bitterness. But if you if you go over to Hosea, um, which I've got marked here, Hosea chapter 1, verse 2 says this, When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So God is describing Israel at the time as being like a whore. They're just going after other gods. And that's a theme that comes all the way through Hosea and Amos. Um, in fact, there's, there's quite a number of points that we need to look at in, in these books. So Hosea 1 says uh, this about uh, Israel. It says that they're like a whore. Uh, if you go into chapter three of Hosea, you find this concept that they've been given chance after chance, and yet they still keep turning away from the Lord. So it says, um, go again, love a woman who has been loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. So he's already told Hosea, go and marry her. And now Gomer, the wife that Hosea marries, has gone off again. And the Lord says, this is what Israel are like. Every time I bring them back, I give them another chance. They then go again. So you get this image that is again and again and again, chance after chance. They keep turning away. If you carry on going through Hosea and you find this stuff all the way through Hosea, if I were to just read Hosea, you just find Israel are bad, Israel are bad, Israel are bad. You find in Hosea 7 that this idolatry is not going to be without punishment so it says in 8 7 for they sow the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind and verse 8 israel is swallowed up they are already among the, the nations as a useless vessel for they have gone up to assyria so hosea is prophesying they will be destroyed and taken to assyria because of what they've done and then if we go to hosea chapter 10 you see israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit so this image of like this very fruitful vineyard, the more its fruit increased, the more altars he built. As his country improved, he improved his pillars. Their heart is false. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. So it's this image of the better they do as a country, the more evil and sinful they are. So this is a, a big, this is really important to know as we come to Jonah, because what we're finding is that this is a country, uh, Jonah is a prophet in a country that is completely idolatrous and has no love for God. It's a very, very bleak picture. The king is wicked. The king would be known as generations afterwards as being wicked. And the northern kingdom is on the brink of destruction. So obviously they don't know this at the time, but 40 years later, they are destroyed by the Assyrians, which Nineveh is the capital of. So the Assyrians come to Israel, completely destroy it, and take a number of people into captivity. And Hosea and Amos, the prophets at the time of Jonah, that's really all they talk about. It's just 
Israel is wicked and judgment is coming. Uh, and, and in Amos, Amos makes this point. He says in chapter two, verse 11. Um, so he says in, sorry, to in, go back a little bit in chapter six, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. So punishment's coming to Israel. And then go down to verse 11. I raised up your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is it not indeed so, O people of Israel? But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets saying, you shall not prophesy. So God has sent Israel prophets telling them to repent. And they just tell the prophets to shut up. You shall not prophesy. So God, and we saw that again in Hosea, prophet after prophet after prophet, not listening, no repentance. That is the state that Israel are in. So that's the situation in Israel. And that's really important to know. This is the world that Jonah lives in. But now let's very, very briefly, I mean, there's not much to say on this, but it is a really important context to give. What is Jonah's life like? So we know the world he lives in, but that describes everyone in Israel. So what's he like at this point? Um, as I say, I don't have much to share on this, but uh, there is an important point to make. So Jonah, as it says in 2 Kings, it said, let me just get it up again. 2 Kings 14, um, which he spoke by his prophet Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. So Jonah is from Gath-Hefer. Now, if you've, if you've got one of those Bibles with maps at the back, you will find that Gath-Hefer is, I might just hold mine up actually. Here you go. So this is... This is during the time of Jesus. So this is the Sea of Galilee, where obviously Jesus spends a lot of his time here. Gath-Hefer is here, which if you look at a, a bigger map of Israel and Judah, so there we go, Israel and Judah, Sea of Galilee is up here. So Gath-Hefer is way up at the top of the Northern Kingdom. So in other words... And the reason that's important is just to know that Jonah was as northern kingdom as it came. He was a prophet very definitely to Israel. He wasn't going to be dipping down into Judah anytime soon. He was stuck in Israel. Um, so that's, that's really important to know about uh, Jonah. And I think I've already mentioned this, but I'll just say it again quickly. Um, Jonah's a, a prophet who only has one written source he can go to, Book of Joel. And that's really important. So just note that down because, as I say, in a few a few um, sessions, we're going to see how important Joel is to Jonah. Um, and as I've already said as well, he is prophesying at the same time as Hosea and Amos. Uh, I don't know if they were slightly before him or slightly after him. It's not really relevant, but I. But the important thing is. Um, the prophets often have, the prophets who are at the same time in the same place almost always have a very similar message. So Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah, for instance, are all uh, basically prophesying about the destruction of Judah and its subsequent restoration. I mean, that's, that's uh, Israel, Jer uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel in a nutshell. First half, judgment, destruction. 
second half restoration. Obviously, there's a bit more nuance than that. So it's important to note that Amos is all about judgment on Israel. Hosea is all about judgment on Israel. This is important because Jonah is around at the same time as them, in the same place as them. But obviously, Jonah is sent outside of Israel. So you might be listening going, I don't understand how any of that's relevant to Jonah being swallowed by a fish. That's fine. You don't need to yet, but we will. But it's, as I just said, it's really important to get that background so that we know what world we're stepping into when we do open Jonah chapter one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it there. I hope, I, I feel like I've been kind of tumbling over my words trying to get everything out. I'm sorry about that. And if I've splurged information at you, Again, apologize, but you can download that, um, the notes I made. So, I mean, they just look like that. They're very kind of easy to read and hopefully they'll be uh, helpful. But uh, let me know. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in.